1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. I'm the titular Sean.
0: And I'm the very titular Carrie.
1: This is the show that takes you inside the unexplainable, the unbelievable, and the bizarre and tries to find an answer. And uh, what are we trying to find an answer to this week, Carrie? Carrie.
0: Well, this is part two of our investigation into the death of Princess Diana.
1: That's right. You brought us beautiful research uh, last time uh, on a very dark and depressing topic, Mm -hmm. a lot of hot goss, and then, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, a paparazzi-related high-speed crash death.
0: Yeah, so um, what are the things that you kind of remember most about what we went over last week? The weirdest parts, the things that really stick in your craw?
1: Um, the fact that I kept hearing the limo driver's name as RuPaul.
0: Okay, well, but no, that's was, not helpful.
1: But it was Henri Paul.
0: <laughs> Henri Paul.
1: And some people said he was an MI6 agent. Could be. Um, so there was that. Uh, I remember that they hit the tunnel wall, uh, initially at about a hundred miles an hour or more than that, and then bounced to the other side and slammed into a pillar at 65.
0: Yeah, it was about that. Mm
1: -hmm. I remember that Diana's heart was thrown to the opposite side of her chest by the force. Yeah. And the EMTs didn't notice it till they got her to the hospital.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember that there was, um... Boy, it wasn't a Mini Cooper, but there was some kind of a little tiny European shitbox car that, uh, <laughs> Mini Coopers are nice cars. Fiat you Fiat know, Uno. A Fiat Uno uh, <laughs> with white paint?
0: Yes, it was a white Fiat Uno.
1: Yeah, and uh, that wasn't as big a clue as you would have thought because there were something like 6,000 of them in Paris that night or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm yeah so just to go over it we kind of went over last week the backstory diana's life her tragic death um her marriage to prince charles also tragic very tragic and uh basically the night of the death they were in paris she was with Dodi fayed who was her new boyfriend her and charles had divorced they were very public as a couple and the paparazzi were crazy over them that summer. So much so that they were hounding them at the Paris Ritz Hotel, which Mohammed Al Fayed, Dodi's father, owned. And uh, the driver that night, Henri Paul, was kind of trying to outrun them.
1: He was also drinking.
0: Yes, he was drinking, but there is question as to whether he was actually drunk. Uh, and maybe uh, an MI6 agent. Who knows?
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) There could have been a lot of things going on. There's a lot of
0: factors uh, that we'll go into more today. But he was speeding in the car. They probably came into contact with a shitbox, a.k.a. a white Fiat Uno. They crashed. Um, Henri Paul and Dodi Fayed sadly died on impact. Trevor Reese Jones, who was Diana's bodyguard, was um, rendered unconscious. And I will add, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, he has no memory of any part of the accident. Convenient. That's what people say, yeah. And so Diana was the only one after Although the... A- I,
1: I will say car accidents are like that. Even, oh, sure. e- Even less dramatic ones than this are like a total blur after the fact.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was actually unconscious. I mean, I've been knocked unconscious before, and... um I don't remember much of what happened before that either. So I can buy that pretty easily. So Diana was the only one that was awake after the crash and she seemed okay, but in shock. And like you said, they did not realize that she had such bad internal trauma. And yeah, she... they,
1: again, I don't know when you're when you're checking the heartbeat. I don't know how you don't detect that the heart is on. The other side of the chest.
0: I I really don't know. Uh, She had two cardiac arrests on the way to the hospital. And she unfortunately passed away pretty soon after she got there. Um, You know, if you were around our age or older at the time, you probably remember this day because everyone was just so, so sad. She was a really famous person, like one of the most famous people in the entire world. She was beloved. Elton John
1: wrote a song. They made oh. a Beanie Baby.
0: hmm Elton John wrote a candle. In, well, he well, rewrote he Candle in the Wind, who, which was originally about Marilyn Monroe. He rewrote it to be about Diana, who was one of his close friends. And yeah, so there's been a lot of chatter since then, Sean, about her death and uh, some of the weird things that you brought up. And these have really become conspiracy theories in the last several years
1: okay so now we get to have some fun with this tragedy
0: yeah well this is the fun stuff because um we're not focusing as much on the terrible awful details of the night but the things that random people have said since
1: okay let's get into it are there just a light spoiler here are we going to talk about reptilians
0: weirdly no but we will be talking about Jesus Christ extensively.
1: Oh, I'm so excited. Let's get into it.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, the th- conspiracy theories of the who, how, and why Diana may have been assassinated are kind of divided mainly into two camps. This is like the the popular theories. The first was a conspiracy theory uh, spearheaded by Muhammad Al-Fayed himself. That's the father of Dodie, one of the uh, victims of the accident, Mm -hmm. who to this day insists that Diana and Dodie were killed as part of a palace plot due to royal racism against Muslims. Wow. So this might seem like a bit of a stretch. So let me uh, explain his supposed reasoning.
1: They just think they they didn't like Diana dipping into brown ink. She's not even a... (laughs) Dipping into brown ink. She's only like technically a royal at this point. Why does she have to follow their rules?
0: Well, al contended that the crash was orchestrated by MI6 on the instructions of Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. And he is the uh, consort of Queen Elizabeth and he is older than sin right now. He's like 99, 100 years old. Oh, he's still around. He's still around. He actually recently got into a car accident, dun dun dun, um, at uh, Balmoral. Their Where was Scottish the White castle? <laughs> there was none, but um, he just was not driving well because he was 97 or something at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think they took his license away after that. Good. Yeah. So, why would Prince Philip, of all people, be the one to order this hit on Diana? I'm guessing you're going to tell me? Because he and the royal family, all of them, could not tolerate the idea of the mother of the future king of England, that's William, marrying a Muslim and sullying the bloodline by proxy.
1: Uh, it feels a little thin for motive.
0: Apparently, according to Fayed, the idea of a Muslim man being stepfather to the heirs to the throne would be too much for them to handle, and they'd rather have her dead. So, I'm going to say that Prince Philip doesn't have a great track record racially. <laughs> uh, he's publicly made derogatory comments about the Chinese, Aboriginal Australians, Filipinos, Indians. <laughs> I could go on. It's a whole list. Yeah, and, but, but are
1: Muslims ever on that list?
0: Well, apparently. Um, there's also the little fact that two of his sisters were married to Nazi officials and there are photographs of him attending a public funeral procession, walking behind swastika-draped coffins, um, back when Nazi Germany was still in power. Eee. So, Phil isn't exactly the most open-minded. It's not dude. ideal, Phil. And maybe his racism and the implied racism of the royal family is what got Diana killed. Because, after all, Philip described Dodi as a, quote, oily bedhopper.
1: Oh no. Yeah. Now is he oily because of the way he did his hair or is he oily because of where Phillips assuming his family made their money?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I didn't uh, I didn't dive into that too deep. It didn't seem didn't seem very deep. Fair enough. <laughs> so Mohammed al had funded this documentary called Unlawful Killing in 2011 that promised to investigate these very allegations. And Sean, boy oh boy is it something (laughs) so unlawful killing was directed by keith allen it's a great title let's start with that (laughs) well it it comes back
1: i think it's one of my favorite grisham novels Unlawful. it was one of the last ones where he was really trying
0: (laughs) so keith allen is the father of lily and alfie allen those famous brits Mm -hmm. and now that means he's father-in-law to my boy david harbour So, that's that's an interesting friggin' family. Carrie's number one hall pass. I love him. So, Keith Allen goes all in on this conspiracy in the documentary because, you know, Muhammad Al-Fayed is funding it. And this is what he believes. He's said this publicly for years The film screened for journalists at Cannes in 2011, but lawyers asked to advise on the film by the producers, said it would need 87 cuts before the film could be certified for release in the United Kingdom. Wow. I guess, you know, for...
1: Libel reasons?
0: Yeah. (laughs) So it was not shown there. (laughs) Right. It also proved impossible to gain insurance against possible litigation in the United States, and the film was withdrawn here as well. Oh, so it's never like been released, released. So it's gotten this kind of reputation as like a banned film, mm-hmm. but it's more of like their own choice, right? Or the insurance choice. But I found it online easily enough. Um, you can too. I'm not going to send you any links. Just look it up. You can find it. <laughs> so... Perhaps the documentary's biggest crime is a garish montage of photos and footage of Diana and Dodi set to a truly terrible cover of "Can't Help Falling in Love" by UB40. Oh
1: my God!
0: Who you might remember did red red, red, red wine, wine? So it's kind of like that reggae. It, ugh, it's it, it's very cringy.
1: Wise
0: men say. Oh. Only fools <laughs> rush in. I don't think every song of theirs goes to the tune of Red Red Wine, but I could be wrong.
1: Well, listen, you, you're <laughs> one UB40 song ahead of me because you've heard this one in this documentary. So
0: Yeah, I'm so fucking lucky. Uh, Al-Fayed restates his beliefs in the film um, that he thought Philip orchestrated the deaths and goes even further, insisting that Dodie had purchased an engagement ring for Diana, possibly that very day, and that she was in the early stages of pregnancy with Dodie's child. Oh, man. Supposedly, the couple was to announce their good news the next Monday in London, so this was kind of the last chance they could be eliminated before that.
1: I assume the pregnancy is borne out by medical examinations of Diana.
0: Well, that's part of the conspiracy, because she was embalmed very, very quickly, um, even before officials from Britain got to France, and mm. people think that's very suspicious. But it was the end of August, and um, they needed to, you know, keep her fresh, I guess. So that's their excuse. Fayed thinks that because she was embalmed, I mean, it would probably, if she was in the very early stages of pregnancy, uh, ruin any chance of a pregnancy test coming out positive. Because I think, you know, you're replacing all the blood with embalming fluid and you can't really test it after that. So he thinks that was a cover up. Okay. (laughs) All right. So there really was some media speculation that Diana was pregnant at the time. It was kind of shades of like the tabloid coverage of Jennifer Aniston Uh. (laughs) that she's gotten for years. People point to her stomach in a bathing suit as proof that she had a baby bump. They have pictures like, Diana, pregnant? Question mark, question mark. But to me, it truly just looks like a normal 30-something woman's stomach in a tight swimsuit. Uh She'd had multiple children. She was still in really good shape. She, like, she's just standing and stomachs look like that when you stand. I don't know, like, it, it doesn't look like a bump to me. I'll leave you with a quote, though, from Keith Allen himself whether you think it's an accident or a murder one fact is inconvertibly true it was chillingly convenient for the Windsors that diana died when she
1: did great voice work
0: thank you so that's the first mean conspiracy okay The so- kind of anti muslim got to get rid of her before this thing keeps going situation
1: right now how did they how did how does he say they executed the hit
0: Well, Fayed seems to think that he partnered up with MI6 to make this happen. Philip partnered up with MI6. Sure, as you do. And um, as we talked about last week, they had their claws in all different kinds of things. They could have orchestrated an assassination attempt similar to one that they had worked on for um, the Serbian president, I think, in the early 90s. Slobodan
1: Milosevic. yeah.
0: Yeah. So who knows?
1: so the old flash bulbs in the eyes of the driver yeah who was also an mi6 agent
0: obviously the other big conspiracy is that a conspiracy of murder took place with the likely participation of three different countries this would be britain france and america to have diana killed due to her involvement with anti-landmine activism what? Yes, completely different direction.
1: No, leave our landmines alone.
0: <laughs> Diana was fervently anti-landmine, which were actually still a growing concern in 1997. Uh, she publicly called for a ban on anti-personnel devices and even did an incredibly famous landmine walk in Angola. You could see pictures of these everywhere. It was humongous news at the time. Where she walked down a clear lane in a minefield during a campaign for the Halo Trust which had been working to clear mines in the area amid the ongoing civil war.
1: This is still a thing today. Oh, yeah. Your cousin made a robot to help get some landmines out of the ground.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, My brilliant engineer cousin did this, and I'm doing this. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We have an interesting family. Equally important in different (laughs) ways. Yeah. So it's still a big thing. But at this time, it was about to be voted on at a conference the use of anti-personnel landmines. Okay. So it was like a really big thing in the news at the time.
1: Yeah, but is the premise that killing Diana would single-handedly kill the dream of ending landmines?
0: Well... Her efforts sparked criticism from U.K. lawmakers who called her publicly a loose cannon and said she was (laughs) out of line with government policy on the issue, which took a more cautious approach to negotiations about the use of landmines because they had not yet been banned in the U.K. Right. So some said because of this, she was angering arms dealers who are notoriously a little fiery.
1: Yep. And, yep, not people you want to piss off. Mm-hmm.
0: And military leaders who depended on the manufacture, selling, and usage of anti-personnel devices.
1: The military industrial complex.
0: Mm-hmm. And they, she was angering them enough to kill her. A conference was scheduled for September 19th, 1997, to discuss further global use of anti-personnel landmines. Diana was set to be there and probably speak Um But, of course, she was killed in an accident a few weeks earlier. Bill Clinton ended up being the only Western leader who voted against a ban on landmines at this conference, something many feel he wouldn't have been able to do in the presence of Diana, who he admired greatly. I just can't do it. (laughs) Oh, I just can't. She's so hot.
1: I can't do it.
0: Well, that's what people say. Um. That's really where this conspiracy begins and ends, because I can't find a ton more intriguing information on it. Just that she was pissing people off and people were pissed and they killed her. Now's my chance
1: to cast that nay vote. Oh, look at that royal ass. Oh, I missed my turn.
0: (laughs) Certainly the arms trade is a rough and bloody business, but I don't know if it had a direct hand in Diana's death.
1: Yeah, this one feels more far-fetched to me than the racist Windsors, for sure. <laughs> Partly because I suspect they are racist. Well,
0: we know Philip at least has been. Diana's own perspective possibly contains some of the most chilling evidence. Diana's friend, Simone Simmons, who is a self-described natural heal- healer and clairvoyant. So I'm sure oh. you'll take her words with a grain of salt, Sean.
1: Uh, no, she sounds great to me. Bring her
0: on. <laughs> She alleged that she was told before her testimony at Diana's death inquest, which we will go into, that she could not disclose the contents of extremely hostile letters from Prince Philip to Diana that Diana received not long before her death. Simone Simmons said, of course, Diana was bumped off. She knew she was going to be bumped off.
1: So. Great voice work again.
0: You're welcome. Paul Burl, Diana's butler, produced a note that she wrote to him in October 1996 that says as much that she thought that she was going to be killed. Well,
1: I feel like if I had that many people following me, I would think I was going to be killed, too.
0: Well, to my untrained eye, it does look like other letters Diana has written, like in her handwriting. Uh, But who knows, right? Maybe he could fake it. Earl himself seems like a sweet man from everything I've seen, but he's a bit of a moth to the publicity flame since Diana's death. Okay. He's appeared on a ton of documentaries about her and even reality shows such as I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here.
1: I was going to say, is everything he's on always about how Diana was murdered? Because...
0: No, it's just about Diana.
1: Okay. So he really he just loves an opportunity to be on television.
0: Um, it seems that they were indeed very close and he very much admired her uh, and loved her like a sister, um, but he's uh, he's always there. So
1: Now, to be fair, he's not a celebrity. Get him out of here.
0: <laughs> so maybe this is another grain of salt situation, but I'm inclined to believe it's a real letter penned by Diana and we know what it says.
1: Are you going to read any
0: of it? No. Yes, it goes like this. I am sitting here at my desk today in October. This particular phase in my life is the most dangerous. My husband is planning an accident in my car. brake failure and serious head injury in order to make the path clear for him to marry Tiggy. Camilla is nothing but a decoy, so we are all being used by the man in every sense of the word.
1: Well, she was incorrect about one part.
0: Yeah, so the Tiggy in this letter is a reference to Tiggy Leg Burke, a nanny to William and Harry that um, came on the scene after Charles and Diana separated, but they weren't divorced yet.
1: And was Charles having an affair with her as well?
0: Well... Diana did not like Tiggy. Not a Tiggy fan? No, not a Tig head, if you will. In January 1996, newspapers named Diana as the source of an untrue rumor circulated in November and December 1995 that Leg Burke had become pregnant by Charles and had had an abortion upon his orders.
1: Wow. Claws in, cat. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. It was reported that words had been exchanged between Diana and Leg Burke on the matter at a party on 14th November 1995, when Diana had said to her, so sorry about the baby.
1: I mean, how could you be suspicious of a um, a maid named Legs?
0: <laughs> She's a nanny, even worse. But yeah, so this whole thing is super dramatic. This catty quote came from unidentified royal sources. So I don't know if this even happened, but it's you know it's fun like bitchy dynasty stuff it is clearly diana was wrong about tiggy the real threat all along was camilla who is now in 2020 charles's wife Mm -hmm. but the quote about an orchestrated car accident is pretty freaking creepy like even if nothing happened and she wasn't killed by anyone and this was just a terrible accident Anything who's anything about someone who's like predicting their own death like that is just always chilling.
1: Sure that's why I love listening to Tupac but Carrie <laughs> but Carrie um, a I don't think that they died because somebody cut their brake lines and B this wasn't to get her out of the way so Charles could marry someone else. She was already out of the way at this point.
0: So just a little bit on that topic, um, kind of an ancillary conspiracy tidbit is that at the time, I believe, and I could be wrong, um, you weren't allowed to marry someone if your ex-spouse was still alive in the royal family. I mean, um, if your ex-spouse was still alive or their ex-spouse was still alive.
1: By like quiet social convention?
0: I don't know how this shit works for them. I know laws had to be changed to change, like, succession and um, how marrying divorcees and stuff works in the royal family. And that happened pretty recently, like, I think within the last 10 years. But I think at the time, Charles might, question mark, have not been able to marry Camilla because both of their spouses were still alive. Andrew Parker Bowles died, um, I think in the early 2000s. It might have been before Charles and Camilla actually married, but some people say that he w- got Diana killed because he wouldn't have been able to marry Camilla without that, because she would have still been alive.
1: You know, in a certain light, it's kind of romantic.
0: It's a very dingy, dark light, Sean. <laughs> Diana's lawyer, uh, Lord Mishkin. Sorry, what? <laughs> lord Mishkun.
1: Okay, I wish I had a lord for a lawyer. Anyways, I know. Sorry, continue.
0: He noted that Diana had also told him she felt the royal family was planning her death in an accident due to car brake failure and that she was being threatened.
1: It didn't. The car was going 100 miles an hour and it almost hit a car and then it hit a wall. It didn't have a brake failure.
0: Well, she apparently insisted to Burl and Lord Mishkin and all these other people that she told that if she wasn't killed in this accident, she was intended to be so badly injured or damaged, especially mentally, that in the future she could easily be declared unbalanced.
1: Why did she think this, though?
0: Well, if we go by the letter, it would seem that she thought this so... um, charles could marry again
1: no but why what made her the car thing no what what tipped her off or what made her think this was the plan
0: the that i don't know i assume you know if she's operating within the royal family she's heard some shit over the years and maybe that's their mo If they've ever done something like this before, allegedly, don't come after me, Windsors. Thank you.
1: She's just heard Charles in the other room like, well, if it ever goes badly, we can do the old London shuffle. (laughs)
0: Oh, the London shuffle. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know why she thought particularly that. Um, She certainly was probably getting threatening letters or correspondence, and she knew that she had previously and probably was still being bugged and tailed by people. So, it probably wasn't a huge step for her to think that she might be hurt or killed. Um, she was very paranoid at this time. But, you know, if you see everything that's going on with good reason, right? Like, she was, we know she was bugged. We know all this stuff.
1: So, mm-hmm. well, I still, um, I don't know. Maybe after this break, which we're going to take a break right now, maybe after this break, we'll um, get a sense of how paranoid Diana had a right to be. Right? Right. Great. We'll see you in a minute.
0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Lots of things are a struggle right now school, work, even something as simple as going to the grocery store, it could feel overwhelming. But one thing that shouldn't be overwhelming is accessing mental and emotional care. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp is the leader in online counseling with over 4,000 licensed counselors on the site and over 500,000 people who have gotten counseling to date. The mission of BetterHelp is to make professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient so anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. I've been using BetterHelp for the better part of this year, and honestly, I don't know how I would have gotten through 2020 without it. And, of course, Sean and Poe. When I need to talk to my counselor, I can just text her and I can schedule chats, phone calls, or video calls for longer sessions. This means I have flexibility to set a session during the week, or during busy weeks, I can just shoot her a message here and there when I have time. Take control of your mental and emotional well-being. BetterHelp is a great place to start. For 10% off your first month subscription of BetterHelp, go to our podcast link at www.betterhelp.com slash and see how good it can feel to push past the struggle and find hope in a new day. That's www.betterhelp.com slash for 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. Get professional counseling anytime, anywhere, because you deserve to be happy. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.
1: Welcome back. We're talking Princess Diana, her uh, tragic death, and all of the um, weirdest, dumbest, most out there, <laughs> coolest conspiracy theories that we can find. Um Carrie, you promised me some Jesus talk.
0: Oh, Jesus is coming. But first, let's talk about the real stuff <laughs> that happened right after the death okay. as a result of the accident. So there have been three official inquests into the death of Diana. There has been a French judicial investigation. This report was never published, so we don't know what it came up with.
1: No FOIA in France? Freedom of information.
0: Oh, I was going to say, well, I'm sure they have foyers, just like they have <laughs> <laughs>
1: living rooms. <In> fact, and <laughs> that is a French word. I'm pretty sure they have that.
0: Exactly. Um, there was also an inquest by the coroner of the Queen's household. And then there was a big one, which was called Operation Paget, which was supposed to be the final inquiry specifically into allegations of a conspiracy to murder Diana and possibly Dodi it. That was the focus of that investigation, to prove or disprove the murder aspect. The last returned a verdict of unlawful killing, which you might remember uh, as the title of that documentary. Uh Uh-huh. This is basically equivalent to manslaughter, with the guilty parties listed being Henri Paul and the pursuing vehicles. Henri Paul's dead. Well, he's still, you know. Yeah, okay. Hitler's dead, but he still killed a lot of people. (laughs) um now pursuing vehicles this is not necessarily paparazzi okay but this is the following motorbikes and the fiat uno that were likely involved in the crash itself
1: mm-hmm. and we still so don't that's know an interesting the little tidbit uno driver is
0: right and we don't know if the motorcycles were paparazzi um some think it's mi6 who knows so that's a very interesting result because they could have said that there's no guilt whatsoever.
1: We do know at least one paparazzo who was there, right? We had a name of a guy last week well, and he got suicided. He might, have, had, suicided a he week might later. have
0: been one of the Fiat Uno guys. Oh, okay. So it's all a big craziness. Okay. Now, there was an alleged bias in how this inquest was handled. The inquest took place in the royal courts, <laughs> presided over by Lord Justice Scott Baker. Which just seems like a very American name. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a judge, or in this case, a coroner that was required, you know, to be in his position to swear allegiance to the queen.
1: Yeah, not ideal.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem
1: recuse yourself.
0: Right. Well, not even that. Like, if all judges in in these cases are required for this, I mean, this is literally looking into if the queen did something bad. Right. So it seems so weird. I mean, maybe that's just a very American view of it. Well, this reminds me of something
1: from our own American recent past, but I just can't put my finger on what it is.
0: Like stacking the courts with people.
1: It was actually the idea of like your own justice department investigating. I'm sure I'll think of it later. I'll think of it later.
0: I don't know. that seems very vague. (laughs) Furthermore, the BBC sent its royal correspondents to cover this case in the media, not their legal journalists. And royal correspondents are supposed to maintain a friendly relationship with the palace because they want to continue to get access. (laughs) So people say that, you know, in the court, it's stacked for the royals. And then even the coverage was stacked for the royals. Um, but no further legal action has been taken since the verdict of unlawful killing was returned. Okay.
1: So unlawful killing, but we don't know who to prosecute.
0: The only person mentioned by name, I think, was Henri Paul, and then the motorcycles and Fiat Uno were mentioned, but there were no other names, obviously.
1: You know, I'm pretty sure in the US we call it, we don't call that a verdict.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's no,
1: like, oh, well, you need to have somebody who's who's guilty or not guilty.
0: Well, that's what happened. I'm going to wrap this story up with a bit of conspiratorial silliness to help digest this terrible, heavy sadness. Uh-huh. This theory comes primarily from the book, Princess Diana, The Hidden Evidence, available to me primarily via Google Books. So pages at a time are missing from this preview. <laughs> um, however, I don't think the theory would have been more sensible with those pages included. So
1: um, so this is what you were, were you, I heard you cackling to yourself uh, on, on the couch. Well,
0: there's one more um, theory one more book that I'll go into that, that kind of expands upon this theory, but yes, this is one of them. <laughs> this theory goes that Diana was a Jesus-like figure as Jesus was the people's king. Okay. So Diana' people's princess. And Diana was assassinated due to a bloodline conspiracy involving Jesus's supposed descendants.
1: But Caroline, Jesus's mother was a virgin. And so was Jesus.
0: Well, that's the point. Whatever Mary one was doing, um, some people think he got with Mary Magdalene. It's basically the plot of the Da Vinci Code.
1: I was going to say that sounds like the last temptation of Christ.
0: Yeah. So this book quotes an unnamed source who is apparently in the know. Quote, if she was assassinated, then you need to look no further than the political intrigues that have shaped the current situation by, uh, well, by creating the usurper monarchies, royal and political, who today rule Europe as a centralized pl- power block. What? I, I mean, I can't make it any more simple than that, Sean.
1: What usurper <laughs> monarchies?
0: Apparently, Diana allied herself to the Merovingian cause. And Wait.
1: The the French guy from the Matrix
0: 2? Well, I haven't seen the Matrix 2. I couldn't tell you. But it is French. Um, So the Merovingians are those who believe Jesus had direct descendants. Um, So Diana apparently believed this too. And a, quote, foreign office source told the author, I have heard whispers, rumors, nothing more, that the late Princess of Wales had been courted by certain agencies who seek to restore the Merovingian line to the throne, a.k.a. the real royal bloodline of Britain should be descended directly from Jesus. Okay. And not part of the political Windsor bloodline.
1: Returned to the throne? Does that mean this conspiracy holds that at some point in the past, this bloodline did hold the the English throne?
0: Well, Sean, apparently Jesus himself was the true bloodline king of Israel.
1: Oh, of Israel, but we're in England.
0: I think we're talking about Holy Roman Empire type of uh-huh. stuff right now. Diana's own supposed heritage from the Merovingians, who actually descended from Jesus, along with her unprecedented popularity, threatened the viability of the House of Windsor enough to warrant her removal.
1: So she was literally descended from Jesus, so she had to go. Mm-hmm
0: because she would have had a claim to the throne apparently
1: and presumably there are other people from that bloodline floating around but um she was actually in a position to you know maybe have some power
0: yes and she was already so beloved like jesus
1: i see a problem with this i see a problem with this isn't one of her sons going to be the king
0: we'll get to that (laughs) um (laughs) Now, as soon as you start getting into this Jesus bloodline stuff, things just start feeling anti-Semitic, even if nothing anti-Jewish seems to be being said. So I'm going to tread real lightly through this theory. This theory says, plain as day, Jesus was a legitimate bloodline king of the royal house of Judah. Mm -hmm. He was married and sired children. And that fact that is today considered a very plausible historical fact. So I love By the idea. Who? <laughs> well, I love the idea of this author presenting a fact as plausible. <laughs> <laughs> it's either
1: a fact it's a very, or it's not. It is a very plausible historical fact.
0: <laughs> this book goes on to say that quote that this fact may bear direct relevance to the death of Diana, Princess of Wales, cannot be sidestepped.
1: Brother, you got to figure out what a fact is. (laughs) I
0: don't don't think they know. This theory posits, basically exactly like the Da Vinci Code, that Jesus' bloodline was the actual Holy Grail. And not only that, uh, her name itself, Diana, was a reference to how the Merovingians apparently started life as worshippers of the Roman goddess Diana, or the original Artemis in Greece, back in the B.C. days. Oh, and the Pont d'Alma, the Parisian tunnel where Diana's car mysteriously crashed, is apparently built over a pagan site where sacrifices were once made to mm, cosmic forces. They were uh, made <laughs> to the moon goddess, Diana.
1: Okay. So, so does this bloodline have to name a kid Diana once every generation just in case they get in position to get the
0: throne back? Genuinely, I don't know where any of this information comes from, including the uh stuff, because it's just cited as fact and I can't find the sources.
1: I'll see your I, I don't know where the information comes from and I'll raise you. I don't know what the information is supposed to mean.
0: <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, it's it's so clear, Sean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Merovingian bloodline. I got, I got you. Um, in The Matrix Reloaded, the Merovingian is a French guy who talks to Neo cryptically in a restaurant. A restaurant, and then um, a woman goes to the bathroom, and I think he makes her have an orgasm with his mind.
0: Hmm. So Neo or the Merovingian? No, the
1: Merovingian.
0: Oh, wow. Well, he sounds fun.
1: It's a weird movie. <laughs>
0: Perhaps my favorite part of this book is its touting of an introduction written by His Royal Highness Prince Michael James Alexander Stewart, 7th Count of Albany. Who? And head of the Royal House of Stuart. Sean, I wasn't finished. Um, this sounds really fancy on paper until you realize that this guy, real name Michel or Michael, I'm not sure, Roger LaFosse, basically has just claimed this to be true since 1979.
1: Since seventy nine, wow, is mm-hmm. he American?
0: Uh no. He says that the ho- the royal house of Stuart didn't actually become extinct in eighteen oh seven with the death of Henry Benedict Stuart, but continued on with a secret, legitimate son. Okay. He claims that his parents were Baron Gustave Jos- Joseph Fernand Clement Lafosse uh-huh. and huh. Princess Renee Julienne Stuart. But in 2002, Brussels authorities stated his birth certificate was a forgery and that they had his real certificate showing LaFosse was born in Brussels to Gustav, a shopkeeper, (laughs) and René, a business employee. But this book is very excited about him writing the foreword, which maybe says everything you need to know about it and the theories contained therein.
1: Are you going to read any of that? The foreword? Yeah. No. Oh, Okay. (laughs) Okay. I just I was hoping he sounds like a real a real whip smart kind of guy
0: he's interesting mm-hmm. here's a few other fun tidbits of conspiracy theory I heard on a 1998 episode of for the Love of which was hosted by journalist John Ronson and contained a round table of people discussing Diana death conspiracies just a year after the accident
1: cheery and appropriate
0: it's a fascinating time capsule and well, it's just fascinating, Sean. <laughs> Let's check this out. We have up first a Sharon Campbell, who I couldn't find anything else about on the internet. My idea is that Henri Paul was actually um, mm. hypnotized or nobbled psychologically in some way because the Salpetriere do do neuropsychiatry experiments also with psychotropics. So
1: okay, so like an MK Ultra thing,
0: just like that. She had just actually mentioned MK Ultra uh, before this. Oh, okay.
1: Exactly one week prior to this event on the twenty-third of August last year, I received some information. One of my intelligence sources intimated that this very incident was about to happen, and the reasons given were both political and constitutional mm. they were there for, for my Blood information ties. was that there was a link between uh, the u.s and britain there was a, a kind of a joint operation at some level somewhere i don't know what level but there was cia and mi6 involvement mm. this was one year after the tragedy
0: yeah it seems pretty wild
1: yeah it does um, what did he say at the beginning there
0: That his sources told him that this was going to happen. He
1: said intelligence. Oh, intelligence sources. I thought he said intelligent sources that I have. Oh, no, intelligence. I was was like, listen, if you have to tell us how intelligent the sources are,
0: I don't know. All right, here's the next one. Um, This is apparently an actress named Charlotte Cox, but her only real credit seems to be this show. She was going to uh, produce... Boy or girl, who is basically going to be the half brother or sister right. to Prince William and Prince Harry, mm-hmm. and therefore a huge embarrassment
1: to the royal establishment, because um, Al-Fayed's uncle is the one of
0: the largest arms dealers in the world. Mm-hmm.
1: I so should I say, by the, the <laughs> way, that uh, one of the things that I found very chilling, the uh, Sunday Mirror of August thirty first, nineteen ninety seven, in other words, the day of the crash. Yeah. Uh, published a story, uh, which was obviously written before yes. Diana's death, uh, saying that there was panic within the royal family over the relationship with Dodi Fayed, and yeah. in a certain sense, the relationship between the Spencers and the Al-Fayed family generally, because yeah. they were both critics of the way that the Windsors were running the structure of yes. the monarchy. Okay. <laughs>
0: So this was going on just a year after her death. It's it's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. All, all of this, uh, all these theories kind of formed and hardened that quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, let's go back a little bit to the Jesus stuff, just okay. because I find it so very fun. Mm-hmm. I also took a read at a book whose title on Amazon appears to be Prince William. Even before his birth, Princess Diana knew that her firstborn son was destined to be king, messiah, and leader of the New World Order.
1: (laughs) That's quite a title. That's a mouthful.
0: (laughs) Nice, direct, succinct.
1: Absolutely. You're going to sell some copies with that. That's Mm -hmm. a a grabber.
0: Well, you have the whole intro right in there this is exactly what this book's going to be about
1: you don't need a foreword from any kind of a fake duke or anything this is this you're all set there's
0: a lot of duke in this book for sure (laughs) foolish now this book has some some duke in it but um here are some of my favorite declarations in 1995 prince william had an electronic chip planted in his right hand it was Yeah, right. It was explained in the media as a homing device that would interact with a special satellite in case the prince is ever t- kidnapped or goes missing. This microchip is the same technology that could enslave a future world in which no one would be able to buy or sell or even participate in society unless they are marked, chipped. This mark can also be known as the mark of the beast.
1: It sounds like a cell phone. It sounds like turning on location services on my uh, Pixel 2.
0: Right. Well, upon Googling, I found references on conspiracy sites to the Washington Times or the Washington Post. Um, They kind of are interchangeable. Okay. (laughs) Reporting on this, and it's referenced in this quote as the media. (laughs) However, I could not find any archived contemporary articles on this from the period from Washington Post or anywhere else. Washington Times. (laughs) Any of the Washington (laughs) things.
1: Of the Washington Washingtons?
0: (laughs) So, Sean, here's another... This is a big, a big chunk right here, but I think you're going to enjoy all of it.
1: Okay, I'm in.
0: Another thing that this book insists upon and claims. Mm -hmm. Jesus had a double identity.
1: I'm with you so far.
0: (laughs) His birth name was Ptolemy the ex-Caesarean. He was the son... Sorry. Was he the son of Julius Caesar and Cleopatra? Yes, he was. And the rightful heir to the Roman Empire. He married his half-sister, Cleopatra Selene, a.k.a. Mary Magdalene, and had a child named Sarah. And his other half-brother, Helios, was really Judas, one of his disciples who sold Jesus out for the silver.
1: It's cute, but I think Caesarion was born about fifty years before Jesus.
0: Sean, I'm not done. <laughs> Very rude. Uh, Joseph and Mary, who were Caesarion, aka Jesus's adoptive parents, escaped with Jesus, who faked his death in the crucifixion, uh-huh. and Mary Magdalene to Europe, where they spread Christianity. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> uh-huh. And we get to Charles and Diana, who entered into an arranged marriage to join the Germanic Windsor bloodline with the Scottish Stuart bloodline. You might remember this for the Stuarts from our Merovingian old friend. Yes. Um, this one also goes on to say, quote, only three months after their infamous arranged marriage, the bloodline of Christ was seeded into the firstborn child of Prince Charles and Princess Diana. To the occult mind, Diana represents the Holy Grail and the receptor of Christ's blood. Her womb, I hate this stuff, her (laughs) womb brought forth William, rightful heir to the throne of David and the final recipient of the powers of the Grail.
1: Final recipient?
0: Apparently. The bloodline of Christ has survived the ages towards a final one, these are in caps, who will rule in the name of Christ. So here, Diana is the Holy Grail. Right. But William is the final king? Well, here's the problem. We go on to discover that Prince William is probably actually the Prince of Darkness. Wait, what? The Antichrist.
1: But he's the... He's going to rule in (laughs) Christ's name. I I don't know. (laughs) His mom's womb was the Holy Grail. I
0: don't know. I don't know, Sean.
1: Okay, so he's the Antichrist.
0: He's the Antichrist. So this book doesn't go into Diana's death conspiracies, which is shocking because it goes through... Like every other popular conspiracy since Jesus's time, <laughs> there's like JFK in there, there's aliens, there's all stuff. But it seems to hint that her death was due to her role in this like scheme. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. There are also some.
1: It's almost like they don't need to go into it because they're like, well, it's a given. Obviously, they murdered her because she is the Holy Grail. What are you What are you talking yeah, about?
0: I, I think it had something to do with like Prince William had to be. The powerful one I don't know. there were some Zionist conspiracies listed in this book
1: oh you don't say
0: which I won't even go into because they're ridiculous and offensive um so I'm set to just discount everything because mm
1: hmm yeah no well isn't aren't you gonna discount the whole thing because it's fucking clown shoes
0: <laughs> yes um I wasn't tempted to believe any of this but anytime you're like, the book literally was like, listen, there are good Jews, but then there are Zionists. And I was like, nope,
1: uh-uh, uh-uh, <laughs> You know, as soon as you see the word Zionist, you can pretty much close the book.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the end of the uh, the Jesus um, conspiracy, which is very fun, especially the part that he's, um, you know, the son of Julius Caesar. That's That's always fun.
1: Well, I can't wait, for one. I, for one, can't wait for our King William to usher in a new era of Christ.
0: Yeah. There is some stuff in the book like, oh, by twenty fifteen he will have, you know, usurped the throne from Charles and um, and started to, you know, make a new world order. And it's like I'm checking my watch. Well, Charles um,
1: Charles still doesn't have it. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> the Queen's still still kicking.
1: She's very good that way.
0: Yeah, she's very good at surviving. She's
1: gonna outlive Chuck, isn't she?
0: Is this a new conspiracy? <laughs> <laughs> um But in all seriousness, I do want to finish this episode with Diana's own words, which I'll play for you now. Because conspiracy or not, this was a woman who had so much to say and had to spend so much of her life just keeping quiet. She deserves to be heard, even though, sadly, at this point, it's from beyond the grave.
1: I'd like to be a queen of people's hearts in people's hearts, but I don't see myself being queen of this country. I don't think many people would want me to be queen. Actually, when I say many people, I mean the establishment that I'm married into because they've decided that I'm a non-starter. Why do you think they've decided that? Because I do things differently. Because I don't go by a rule book. Because I lead from the heart, not the head. And albeit that's got me into trouble in my work, I understand that. But someone's got to go out there and love people and show it. Well, you certainly more than we deserve. We'll be back with some news. Yeah.
0: Hey, hey there. I'm Hannah, and I'm Audrey. even care if they are we are always unpacking that very question on sleepover cinema check out sleepover cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at Evergreenpodcasts.com. see you soon you're here which means you love podcasts but are you looking for another kind of entertainment on the go Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to memoirs, news, business, and more. By signing up for a free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash scary, you'll receive access to thousands of titles with one credit toward any audiobook and two Audible originals, free during your trial and then with subscription each month after. Personally, my favorite Audible title is also my favorite book, It by Stephen King. I went into this audiobook ready to judge because I've loved this novel since I was a kid, but between the stellar production value and the truly breathtaking narration performance by actor Stephen Webber, I was hundred percent all in. If you like this podcast and have a strong stomach, I think you will be too. Not into audiobooks? No problem. With podcasts, theatrical performances, guided meditations, and more, Audible offers something for everyone. So what are you waiting for? Get started now. And hey, you'll be helping support the podcast. Visit our link at www.audibletrial.com slash ain't scary for a free trial. That's www.audibletrial.com slash A-I-N-T-I-T-S-C-A-R-Y. Audible. Listen more. It's time for crying saucers. <laughs> According to Haim Eshed, Israel's former space security chief, aliens are real and Donald Trump knows about it.
1: Well, he would have to, he's the president.
0: Exactly. In an interview with Israel's Aha- Yidiot Ah Yedioth, Yediot?
1: I don't I don't know. I don't have it in <laughs> front of me.
0: Aharonot newspaper. I think it's you know in Hebrew. Um, Sorry for butchering that to our uh, Jewish friends. It's a tough language. Ashed spoke extensively about alien life and an alleged agreement between the United States government and a galactic federation of aliens. Apparently, these extraterrestrials hope to research and understand the fabric of the universe. Uh, As you do. Uh, Well, I mean, I'd like to know. Uh, And the agreement includes a shared secret underground base on Mars. He elaborated further that Trump didn't reveal the existence of extraterrestrial life to us yet because the Galactic Federation insisted humanity is just not ready yet.
1: Oh, so was did they just reveal themselves to us? Like was Donald Trump led into this by the aliens or by
0: uh, No, apparently there's it's been an, there's been an agreement between um, the United States and the aliens for a very long time and I guess every president learns about it. Okay. Ashed,
1: um... We're backing out of the Intergalactic <laughs> Federation.
0: He would, though. I'm
1: tired of paying all these other...
0: Ashed <laughs> led, uh, led Israel's space security program for nearly three decades, so he's not just some rando. There has been no comment from Trump or the current presidential administration.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what they have What they have to say about the... Why, why should we listen to this guy? <laughs>
0: He was the head of Israel's space security program for almost 30 years.
1: Oh, he's telling the truth. There are aliens.
0: I guess so. We're back this week to a little Prime and Punishment. If you have your ear to the ground of the true crime world, you know that after 51 years, the famous 340 cipher allegedly sent to the San Francisco Chronicle in November 1969 by the Zodiac Killer has been solved.
1: Big, big serial killer news. You'll want to tell this story at some point on this podcast, right?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: We have to earn our, earn our wings first.
0: While the Zodiac, who remains unidentified to this day, deserves multiple episodes all their own... The basics are that they were a serial killer in the Bay Area who would send cryptograms to local newspapers, challenging them to figure out who they were and where they would strike next. The 340 cryptogram, named because it contains 340 characters in it, was one that had never been solved until now.
1: Hmm. So uh, what makes these take so long, Carrie?
0: Well, um... This kind of cipher is basically a substitution cipher that he would use. So, he would use different symbols in the space of letters. Mm -hmm. And um, some think that this one took so long to solve because it had many misspellings, which if you're doing a substitution cipher, it makes it nearly impossible unless you have some vague sense of what they're saying. Right. Right. The first cipher that he sent in—I'm going to say he because most people think it's a man.
1: It's a serial killer.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, it was actually solved pretty quickly by just a married couple who loved to do puzzles, <laughs> because they realized that um, he would definitely use the word kill or killing. Mm. So they um, immediately looked for double L, double yeah, basically double symbols. Replace them with L's, and they kind of figured out everything else from there. That's awesome. Yeah. So this one, um, he misspells paradise so that's multiple just like times.
1: doing the jumble or something in the, in the, the They newspaper. did it as a hobby. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, this one has paradise misspelled multiple times, like dice as in rolling the dice, D-I-C-E. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that made it difficult. And, you know, it's just really hard to solve a puzzle when the guy didn't even know how to spell.
1: Well, or just loved puns. Maybe he was attempting puns.
0: <laughs> I don't think so. I'll read it in a second. An international trio of private citizens, which included Dave Orinchak, a 46-year-old Virginian software developer, hmm. solved the cipher recently. Orinchak said, quote, the cipher had been unsolved for so long, it had a huge target on its back. Not great wording, Zodiac, uh. Dave. <laughs> um, and I felt like it was a challenge that had a chance of being solved. It was an exciting project to work on and was on many people's top unsolved ciphers of all time lists, which is true. Ornchak and co. had been working on and off solving the cipher since 2006. Wow. Yeah. The full translated text of the cipher reads.
1: My name is John <laughs> William Patrickson. I Patrickson.
0: live Patrickson? Yes. <laughs> I live at 340. That would be nice. I hope you were having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. There's no... um."
1: Punctuation. Punctuation
0: here at all. It's all in caps.
1: That would make a cipher harder to, uh, easier to find. And of course, it's all in caps. It's a a code. Yeah.
0: I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise, so they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death.
1: Paradise death. (laughs) Now that is a name for a new reality TV show. This week on Paradise Death.
0: (laughs) It's Survivor, but you die. (laughs) Orinchak and his colleagues developed an app named AZ Decrypt that helped him and his colleagues unravel the puzzle. The FBI has confirmed that the team did, indeed, solve the cipher.
1: That's very cool. Uh, It doesn't seem like it's going to get any closer to...
0: uh... To a solve on that case but um, at least you're a little bit more into the mind of this madman yeah. which is great
1: <laughs> yeah so, so almost like how an Egyptian pharaoh would have his slaves or servants uh, mummified or killed and mummified with him
0: yeah I think Zo- I mean Zodiac this is was, uh, the was... slave thing in paradise or whatever is kind of a recurring theme mm-hmm. in his work um, it seems to be a thing where he feels like the people he's killing are going to be his slaves in the afterlife. So that's fun.
1: I mean, you gotta. You
0: gotta, gotta, what? Have somebody,
1: gotta have somebody to wash the dishes, right?
0: Ugh. Yeah, you. <laughs>
1: Gross. We'll be right back.
0: That's it for this episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ain't it scary and check out our website at ain't You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash scary. And please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple podcasts. We'll be forever grateful.
1: Big thanks to Nate Curtis and Sean O'Donnell. You're our very first two patrons. Um, guys get over there and give them some company give them some love
0: (laughs) see you next thursday
1: show created by sean and carrie mccabe music by kyle ryan
0: this has been a production of Longboy media 24 hours ago i found out the person i'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man that is my sister emma